What is up, everybody? Welcome back to TMT Time. I'm your host, Evan Rothstein. Today, I have the rare occasion of having my boss on the podcast. So I'm going to be on my best behavior and use really appropriate language for the workplace. Uh, I am talking about the managing partner, co-managing partner of my law firm, Arlen Porter, and that is Ellen Fleischhacker. Ellen, welcome into the podcast. Evan, thank you so much. And I definitely do not think of myself as your boss. You are free to say whatever you want on this podcast with me today. Well, um, I appreciate that, but I will not follow that advice. Um, and instead, uh, hew close to the line, the very professional line, which is not always the case here on TMT Time. Uh, Ellen, for our listeners that are not Arnold Porter-based or focused or have any knowledge about our law firm, I will give you the opportunity to introduce yourself. Okay. Well, thank you, Evan. So I am a partner at Arnold & Porter. I'm in our San Francisco office. I have a practice that focuses on investment management. I represent fund sponsors, institutional investors, and wealth advisory firms. As Evan said, I am the co-managing partner of the firm. The way our structure works is we have a chair. He's Richard Alexander and two co-managing partners me and Michael Daniker, and the three of us together with our COO, Sean Howell, form the core leadership team of the law firm. So part and I guess of I can also give you some personal information about myself. Yeah, that, that's more interesting. Yes. You're right. I'm sorry. You're right. So yeah, I've lived in the San Francisco Bay Area my whole life. Um, I went to college at Berkeley. I went to law school at Berkeley. I went to business school at Berkeley. Um, my kids grew up here. I went to school here. And I have two kids and a husband, and we just got a new puppy, a pandemic puppy in um, December. He's adorable. His name is Cosmo. He's at puppy school right now, learning how to behave with other puppies. That's awesome. As, as our listeners know, I am a big dog fan, and you've heard them here on TMT Time a number of times. One <laughs> of them actually did go to, to puppy school. The other, other two did not, decidedly. Is there uh, a difference? Can you tell? Yeah, I mean, my lab, she listens. It didn't, it didn't like all sink in, um, to yeah. be fair, but it, it helped. I, I was gonna, I thought you were gonna say my two kids also go to Berkeley because I it saw a pattern there. Yeah, no, I, I wish, believe me, but they chose to leave the state to go to college, which is okay. Yeah, you gotta get them out and then, then they'll come back maybe. Yeah. All right, so part of the reason why I called you the boss is because you are one of the few women leaders of AMLA law firms in the country. And I don't even know how many of the AMLA 50 there are women leaders. So I really want to spend a lot of time talking about that, Ellen, if you wouldn't mind, because um, it's an area of focus for us, but it's an area of focus for the industry. And I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned that you probably have along the way. So it would be great if you sort of tell us how you got there. Um, and now that you are there, um, you know, what's, what's happening and how you're doing with it and how you're using the, the role to help others, at, both in our firm and, uh, and elsewhere. Okay, well, so there could be a really long version of the story or a really short version of the story. And I'm gonna go with kind of on the shorter side version of the story um, because it was sort of a untraditional path that I took to where I am now. So, I mean, basically, so I did the JD MBA, as I mentioned, and I was very, very ambitious. And I sort of had this view that I would go work at a law firm for a few years. And then because I live here in the San Francisco Bay Area, 
would go to the Silicon Valley and go work, you know, someplace that was sort of pre-IPO, get a bunch of stock options, and then sort of ride the IPO wave with whatever firm that was and, you know, retire by the time I was 35 kind of thing. But that was sort of my plan. Um, and what I did instead was I decided to start a family. I basically worked at my first law firm job for nine months and then had my first child and fully expecting to go back. But once I was holding her in my arms, I just I couldn't do it. I couldn't go back. And at that time, there were very few women mothers at law firms that I could look to as role models, women who had successful careers and were mothers, especially women who had their children at the beginning of their career, as opposed to waiting until they were a partner. And I just didn't see how I could sort of balance both. And so I decided to stop after all that, after that big education and all my work and editor of the law review, you name it. I just decided I'm just going to stay home with my baby and stop working. So I did. And while I was working at home, I tried to sort of stay active. I did some, I helped some entrepreneurs with business plans and I did some work for a judge trying to um, help facilitate getting kids through the foster care, the judicial part of the foster care process as quickly as possible. But mainly I was just staying at home and then I'm going to fast forward. Um, I wound up after three years and a second child going back to work at, at a law firm, Howard Rice, which eventually merged with Arnold and Porter much later. And I worked part-time. There wasn't really even back then, there were, there were very few young moms like me working part-time at law firms and they wouldn't even let me be an associate. They, they had a different title. I can't even remember now what it was, but um, eventually I became an associate and um, really thrived. It was really happy and eventually became a partner, which I never expected. I didn't, back then, I part-time people didn't make partner very often, if at all. And I never expected that would happen. And, um, and then we merged with Arnold and Porter, which was incredible for me and my career and my practice. And I've loved it so much at Arnold and Porter and thrived here. And I can't tell you how it is that I became the co-managing partner, but I can say that I think part of it is that whenever anybody's asked me to do anything, I've pretty much always said yes. <laughs> and so I've done a lot. I have a lot of sort of leadership experience. And um, I think that's probably a big part of it. But again, like I never in a million years back then when I had that baby and thought there was no path for me at all in the law, I would never have said, expected or even hoped in my wildest dreams to end up where I am now. Do you think things have changed? Because, you know, you say when you say like the people who were part time didn't make partner back then, I'm not even sure. I don't know how far back it was. It's not that far back. But I can tell you, even now, I'm not sure that that is is not an untrue statement. Oh, it's totally changed. It's so I mean, it's so much better, especially that particular thing. We absolutely make people partner who are part-time, that's not even a consideration. We make people partner who are out on leave. It's just, that has changed a lot. And people have role models that they can look to who've gone through the process, you know, while they're part-time or they're part-time partners. That was something that way back when I was having my, you know, first child and my second child, 
you didn't have role models for that. That just wasn't happening. I'm not saying things are perfect for anybody because they aren't, but I am really, really happy about how much things have changed just in sort of the duration of my career so far. Do you think that's a, a true statement for the industry or do you think it's because we place such an emphasis on that here? I think it's probably true for the industry. I would be pretty surprised um, if it wasn't, I think we have a particular focus here. We're particularly thoughtful and sensitive, but I think that for the most part, the industry has really tried to catch up to um, a lot of other industries that were way ahead of us on this. And I think we've done a really good job. So you hear about law firm leadership talking to other law firm leadership, and there's like groups of managing partners that meet with other managing partners. And for me on the outside, obviously, I want to know what goes on in that room. Um, <laughs> but it would be interesting to hear, like I the, like I said at the beginning, the number of, of women managing partners is small. Do you all have a group that meets and how regularly and talk about ideas and how to make things better for everyone else? So no, we, well, if there is a group like that, I haven't been invited to join. So either there's a group like that and I'm not aware of it, or there is no group like that. And I suspect that there is no group like that. And so Evan, what you're making me think about, and I've thought about this before, is maybe I should try to start that group. Yeah, you should try and start that. And I'm I mean, going to that... even take a note, start women law firm <laughs> leaders group. I mean, I think like there's chief, you're a member, I assume you're a member of chief. You know what that is? I do know what that is. And I was a member of chief. I've decided to put my energy and time elsewhere, but um, having a group of law firm leaders, I think could be women law firm leaders. That's small. Yeah. I mean, which will necessarily, necessarily be small. Be small. <laughs> yeah. Could be really interesting. Um, well, I'm glad. I hope that idea was born here on TMT time. It was. Um, you get all the credit, Evan. Yeah. I need, we need the credit. We need, we need listeners. Um, so if there are <laughs> listeners to this who are at law firms that have women leaders, and I don't, I mean, I can't even, I can think of a couple off the top of my head, um, but it, the list is not long. So, um, so if you're not meeting with a, a women's leader group, do you meet with a general law firm leaders group? Um, sort of like from Hamilton, you know, the room where it happens, I kind of, I want to hear what happens in that room um, and, and hear what you all talk about. Yeah. You know, well, the room where it happens is probably within the firm, right? In terms of what happens at the firm. So that's maybe the room that has Richard and Michael and Sean and me, but um, the room where it happens as an industry. So we are part of, um, of a group of managing partners and chairs that meet with a, this consultant consultant firm HBR. And I do go from those meetings from time to time and they're great. And especially at the beginning of the pandemic um, or even in the middle of the pandemic meeting with them and just all of us sharing ideas about, you know, returning to the office, keeping the office safe, you know, sort of well-being of our, of our personnel during the pandemic. It was really great to talk to other law firm leaders and just think through these issues that we were all facing about, you know, related to public health and mental health during this time. Um, I think people are a lot more comfortable talking about stuff like that. Like, I don't think you're going to get a group of law firm leaders who are going to share their secret strategies and all that with each other, but trying to solve problems that affect all of us 
it's really, really helpful. And everybody was really open. You know, we'd have an open conversation about things like, you know, should we have a vaccine mandate at the firm? What are you, what are you all doing? You know, stuff like that. What are the pros and the cons? And that was really helpful. We haven't met for a while. Um, so it'll be interesting next time we do to see where everybody is on the pandemic. Those types of things I think are super valuable just because you get more sense of what's working, what's not working. Uh, and how to implement them in your own in your own company, and that's why I think why the a women's leader group would be the same. It would be the same type of upshot and upside for everyone. Yeah, um, I agree. So we're in 2022. We're knock on wood, maybe in the endish time period of the pandemic, people are kind of going back to work. Uh, what what have you noticed lately in terms of the, some of the things you just mentioned, mental health, like? workplace environment? What are you thinking about now as we sort of hopefully enter this new hybrid work era uh, for law firms? You know, if I've learned one thing from this pandemic is that everything is completely unpredictable. And so we are sort of cautiously optimistic that the tide is turning. And like you're saying, hopefully we'll be able to sort of get people back to the office, you know, maybe even get masks off, you know, that kind of thing. But who knows, right? Like there could be another wave right, right after Omicron ends. We just, none of us know. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm really hopeful that we'll be able, all of us will be able to get people back in the office. I think that transition is going to be really tough. Just like all transitions are, everybody's grown accustomed to working from home and there's pros and cons of that for sure. And so we're trying to be really thoughtful about that transition back to the office and making the experience in the office super valuable so that people really like a mix of sometimes working from home and sometimes working in the office and it works. And I think there will be a learning period and there'll be some experimenting, but I'm really hopeful that say like a year from now, we'll have sort of figured it all out and people will like the mix of being in the office and being at home and feel really good about it. What have you seen that's been like the most successful way to handle the employee workforce being out of the office? And like, what, what have like, what's like a success story in terms of keeping people connected or having the right computer system or just client <laughs> success? Like what, what do you think about like, okay, that worked. Well, I want to keep that going. Well, you know, we were really figuring things out as we went along. So, you know, we we figured pretty early on people might need more technology at home than they have. You know, obviously people needed cameras. You remember the very beginning of the pandemic? Well, you might not have had this problem, Evan, because you're Mr. Tech. But most of us, like, I didn't have a web a camera for my computer. I didn't have any of that stuff. And I tried to buy some on Amazon and it was completely sold out, right? Because everybody at the same time was trying to buy this stuff and ended up buying some like super fancy gaming camera because it's the only thing like my son was really jealous of it, but, um, and I eventually gave it to him. But, um, you know, so we figured out that we needed to you know, be able to supply people with things like that and, and you know, um, comfortable chairs and, you know, all that sort of thing. And so I think that stuff is all, hopefully sort of worked out. I mean, to me, so I've almost now lost track of your question, but um, and th the issue with people working from home that we've really had to navigate 
and I think it for me personally, I think this has been the hardest for me personally, and I suspect it's hard for many is just that the blurring that there's no end to your day all the time is sort of could be work time, the weekends, like it's just, it's all the same and sort of feeling like so burned out because you just never really have a break from work. And I think um, that's something we've tried really, really hard to, to minimize as much as we can. And we've worked with practice group leaders, we've worked with office leaders and partners to really try to encourage everybody to really take true and dedicated time away from work. I don't know how successful we've been with everybody, but, and I know for myself, (laughs) you're not not successful with me because I I, I work all the time, but I, 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 um, like when we were in the office and I've obviously, I've worked tremendously hard my whole career at all times, at all days. And I've tried to make a concerted effort not to send emails at certain times of the night, not to send emails on the weekend as sort of a mo- way of modeling to others that I am not, even though I'm working, I'm not expecting you to work. Um, and it's harder when you're working from home because I am working, like I, I work until I go to sleep. I work as when I wake up. I mean, if I'm not doing something with my kids, I'm working. Exactly. Um, and I've noticed the same with clients too, that clients that never used to really email me after six or seven o'clock at night we're suddenly emailing at midnight, you know, and I think I'm I'm a little worried that for everybody, it's almost just become this habit now that you just have your computer on all the time and you're just sort of on. And I'm, I'm long-term, I just don't think that's sustainable for people's health. And so I'm really hoping that we can somehow collectively get back. I mean, I don't care if if email clients, the client emails me at midnight, that's fine with me, but I don't think it's really healthy for them either. So we just need to figure it out. It's uh, yes. The, the, I'm also obscenely responsive. So that's, it's a problem for me because <laughs> exactly. they're, they're responding, they're writing emails and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm responding. I don't care what time it is. Um, right. The biggest question for me going back to the office is, am I actually going to have to cut my hair? Um, <laughs> I'm hoping that it's ways out because I've kind of grown attached to it. Cause I feel like once I cut it, I'm going to be bald soon. And that'll be the end of that. Um, <laughs> But I'm mean, just I'm saying not... right here, because you called me your boss. I don't think I'm your boss. I'm your partner. But I am just saying right now, there is no need to cut your hair out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, you I heard it here. the support. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, it, look, I, I, I agree with you. Like the mental health aspect of the pandemic and work, is, even in the so-called white collar professional environment, people are working more. Um, they're working perhaps better. Um, people are working remotely from remote places from their house, but it still means they're working more. Uh, and yeah. hopefully when we go back, that pulls back a little bit um, so that people can actually get time to disconnect. Cause I find it very hard to disconnect when the computer's on and it's just in the room right there. And I'm just going to go keep working. Cause why not? Exactly. So looking forward in, in addition to the pandemic, what are the other things that you're sort of focused on as a managing partner of a law firm thinking about um, in 2022? Is it like client relations or is it revenue driven? Are you trying to, you know, start programs for DEI initiatives? What's on your plate in terms of things that you're passionate about and that you really want to work on? So we're always focused on what we consider our core values, right? So client service, excellence in our work, diversity, pro bono, 
those are things, you know, the highest possible ethics, th those are always priorities. So that's sort of like the baseline. Those are always priorities. In terms of, you know, my personal focus on, on top of those things, I personally am, am very focused on well-being. I think that's just for the reasons we just discussed, so important right now more than ever. And I'm also really, really interested in sort of innovation and all, all the sort of ways you think about innovation and what that means. And, you know, a huge part of innovation relates to, again, you know, your interest in technology, but it's more than that. It's being innovative and in how we do everything from, you know, our, our timekeeping to our billing to, um, you know, the way we do project management to the services we offer to clients all of it like i think there's so much room to be really creative right especially right now so personally i'm really really interested in that and i'm still thinking about it but um for me those would probably be the two in addition to the sort of the core values that we have and richard alexander's priorities those are two that are really interesting to me so i that speaks to me since my whole life has been of trying to innovate both my kids are named after innovators uh, yeah. Uh, That's cool. Son, what are their my, names? My son's name is Huxley. He's named after Aldous Huxley. He wrote Brave uh -huh. New World. And my daughter's uh, name yep. is Edison after Thomas Edison. That is awesome. Very yes, cool. Yes, I do have a gaming camera and a podcast microphone, both of which overheat and shut down our firm issued laptop. Uh, <laughs> so if we're on the, the path of innovation, I have tried to innovate my way into a better computer system. I have been routinely denied. <laughs> uh, for so-called security purposes, but I'm still uh, banging that drum. So since you are kind of my boss still, I am making a, a plea for a All right, duly noted. system. I'll, I'll um, make a note of that right now. Yeah, but I do like I do like the focus on innovation because I think law firms are behind uh, in this regard from other industries and even law firms amongst themselves. Some are more ahead and some are more behind because there are a lot of applications of technology, especially to legal practice that can help client service and on those core values that you mentioned, improve them for us and for others. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's a lot of good ideas within the law firm that we can mine because people who are living every day with limitations or ideas or whatever, they can be great sources of innovation. And so I'm really interested and I've been thinking a lot about how to sort of tap all that potential. Well, you can use this podcast as much as you want to do that because most of the people that are coming on here are classified as innovators or entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurs with a sort of forward-looking mindset. So you are welcome to both download and listen, of course. Um, but of course, you, you already have do. People come on. Um, okay. All right. Well, I want to ask you some questions on about what you do outside the office in the Bay Area where you've lived your whole life because that's what people really want to know. So when you're, when you're not. <laughs> It sounded like your kids are getting a little older and they're gone. So when you're not working in on your practice and managing an AMLA 50 law firm, what are you doing? Okay, well, so it doesn't leave a lot of time, but um, I'm really, really involved in community service. I serve on the board of uh, Congregation Emmanuel, which is synagogue, a reformed Jewish synagogue in San Francisco. I'm actually the co-president of that board. And so I spend a lot of time on community service and that role. And then, you know, I like to, you know, this sounds so, I, you know, it feels like a, like a dating app or something, but I like, I do, I like, I like to like walk to the beach. I live really close to the beach. 
where I am. I live really close to this part of town called Land's End, which is basically this beautiful hike that's sort of along the cliffs at the edge of San Francisco. And so the whole hike, like you're just looking out at the ocean and the bay and it's really, really beautiful. Um, so I, I like to go there. I like to, you know, just, I like to hang out with my friends. I wish that we could go to lunch and all that more, but um, maybe it's Pretty soon. locked down still in the bit and up there, isn't it? It's not, I mean, we could, there's outdoor dining all year because it's so warm here all the time, but um, I don't know. It's not as fun as it was when you could, you know, go and sit inside and just have a long leisurely lunch. So you are the first guest and I think we've just passed 50 episodes. First guest who've talked about dating app on the TMT time. So <laughs> well, just because I would have said liking to walk on the beach, long it kind of walks, sounds like long walks on the hands, beach at sunset. Nice yeah. music. Um, all right. But you know, well, I still haven't taken my puppy to the beach because oh, he hadn't really? been fully vaccinated, and there's oh. all kinds of issues when you live in a city. So, but now oh, he's yeah. just yesterday he hit the day when he's fully vaccinated. So I'm going to take him to the beach this weekend. I'm very excited. What kind of dog is he? He's this little white, fluffy Catone de Tulliar. I, I don't even. You, know you're going to have to just Google that. image him. That sounds like him. a fancy dog. Is it like he's a little bit of a fancy dog? He's like yeah. a white, fluffy guy. I have two small dogs. They're they're my best friends from the pandemic. One of them's Yay. a pandemic dog. Yeah, they're best. That's the best. All right. Well, Ellen, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. This has been great. Um, hopefully I stayed within my narrow lines of uh, boss talk. So appreciate <laughs> you giving us the time. I know obviously you're really busy managing all the stuff that you talked about. So thank you so much. And we will thank talk you, to you Evan. Soon.